The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks and will talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan. Hi, welcome to the show today. Thanks for being with us. Uh, really excited to have you uh, here, and we're excited to to start the show. I got something I want to talk about first before we get on to our first guest. Interesting uh, email I received this morning. And if you give me just a second to find it, I'll read it. You absolutely have to see this desk. We have all kinds of studio equipment arrayed, and it's, uh, there we go. We got it. Okay. And, and that was my um, co-host, Zev Nadler, Zev the Wolf Nadler. You guys all know him as uh, the firearms concierge and uh, dronage, uh, bestdronage.com. So uh, he'll uh, probably step in here from time to time. But I wanted to read this email from you. Uh, it came to me from Dan Huff. And it says, I work for the House Judiciary Committee Chairman Bob Goodlatte. The chairman is interested in convening victims of Operation Choke Point for a roundtable discussion to raise awareness and discuss how the new administration might reverse the damage. I got your contact information from David uh, Thompson, a D.C. lawyer who's helping choke point victims. The format is fluid, and we envision uh, Chairman Goodlatte leading the discussion along with the staff. There would be some media component as well. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about what the time frame will be. But I volunteered and said that I'd love to be a part of the, the roundtable. Um, as most of you know and, and probably remember that uh, McMillan got quite a bit of notoriety back in 2012 when uh, Bank of America came to my office and asked us to go find another bank because they didn't like us being in the firearms industry. So a perfect example of what uh, Operation Choke Point was trying to do, and that was you know, forcing the banks to uh, not do business with the companies that that administration uh, didn't really like for what, one reason or another. So it sounds like we're going to get an opportunity to give some feedback, what we might uh, do to help the, the situation and maybe rectify the way it is. As far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, I, I would just tell the banks to do business with businesses that are, are good businesses and uh, not worry about what, you know, the side of the political spectrum they fall on. So looking forward to that. I think one of the things that drive me crazy about that whole situation is that you can walk into what's known as a head shop and buy all kinds of pipes that have to do with illegal uh, activities, and they're completely protected, and they can go ahead and, and, and charge your card on Square or on PayPal. But here you go and, and try to get a hunting rifle or a modern sporting rifle or a handgun or wh whatever, whatever is protected by our rights, and Square and PayPal and many others won't run that credit card. 
Yeah, I agree with that, and I don't understand that. They say that the firearms industry is high risk, and that's absolutely not true. Anybody who's ever purchased a firearm knows that they sign a federal document that says that they received it. So there's absolutely no way that they can fraudulently claim that they didn't receive it, have the product, and get their money back too, which is what most people think of when you talk about fraud in in the credit card business. So, you know, a lot of people will buy something and they'll they'll get it and then they'll have their company decline the charges and say they didn't receive it. But, you know, having signed a federal document that says that you did, I think you'd be in for some legal difficulties if you tried that. So there really isn't the the fraud that they um, they they claim. I think it's reputational fraud is how they they describe the fraud, the risk that they take in doing business with firearms companies. Well, hopefully the next thing that we see uh, will be a letter in your inbox asking you to participate in uh, in the other, what was it called, the Fast and Furious uh, debacle, and maybe get Eric Holder in the hot seat for once for what he did to our business and to our citizens and to one of our border guards who, uh, you know, was supposedly uh, murdered by one of those weapons that they let walk. So, Yeah, and that was an Arizona thing, so that was really close to home here. Um, you know, we actually had the uh, Homeland Security come to us and ask us to help in a program that they wanted to run in setting up anyone who would be willing to fraudulently uh, sell firearms uh, to criminals. And we, we told them we would be happy to... Uh, let them know anytime we suspected anybody of doing that, but we weren't going to get involved in any kind of program that basically was was trying to coerce people into doing that. A sting operation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's odd that you know they they really the government really wants to put a hurting on us as as much as they can when it comes to doing business, and then when they need us, they're they're not shy about asking us for help. But yeah. So anyway, so much for the political part of it. I do want to talk a, a little bit. For First, uh, before we get to our first guest, about a promotion that we're doing. And, and we tried to start this last week, and it was brought to my attention that I never actually notified the listeners that it was time to send in their email. So we're going to try it again. For all of you listening live, at some point during this show, I'm going to ask you to send an email. All you have to do is send an email with your name, your address, and uh, we'll, we'll pick the first three responders and send out a t-shirt, a hat, and a challenge coin. And you need to send the email to radio show at MacmillanUSA.com. And that's M-C-M-I-L-L-A-N-U-S-A.com. And I, I'm sure it's radio show, two words, right? Rad- no, it's one, it's well, one I mean, string. Right, yeah. but radio show at MacmillanUSA.com. And, and just listen for me to tell you when to send those emails in, and if it comes in before that time, you don't, you don't get your, your goodies. So... Wait until I tell you, then send an email in, and then uh, we'll, we'll get the gifts out to you. So, on to our first guest. I've known uh, 
Taylor Warwick, Warwick for a long time. Uh, we met uh, when I was on a black bear hunt in Oregon, and he was the videographer that was filming the, the hunt. It was done for a TV show and actually aired on Outer Limits TV. So uh, we've known each other for a while. He's been involved in a lot of things, been involved in the firearms and hunting industry for quite a while. And I thought it would be interesting to bring Taylor on just to talk about whatever he's got going on today. So, Taylor, thanks for being with us. Hey, Kelly. I appreciate you having me. It's so good to hear your voice. It's been, I looked it up, 2011, May 2011, uh, when we were on that black bear hunt in Oregon. Shoot, we were both kids back then. <laughs> <laughs> and you were so generous, and, and you're, you and your company is an amazing company, and I, it, it's an honor to be here, and I appreciate uh, you guys reaching out to me, and I'm excited to talk uh, about what I'm doing and what we're doing and, and share some exciting stuff with you guys. Okay, so share with our listeners exactly, you know, your history, where you grew up, you know, how you got involved in hunting and firearms and, and what you're doing now. Sure. So real quickly, I am 33 years old in October. Uh, I was married this past summer to a tailor, so it's Taylor and Taylor, if you can believe that. Uh, and I uh, live in Kansas City, born and raised in Kansas City. I was a Division One soccer player, played in Fairfield, Connecticut at Fairfield University, but fast forward to, uh, you know, age 25, uh, six, seven years ago, I was a videographer and a freelance videographer for outdoor, outdoor television. So I really cut my teeth in the outdoor industry uh, <clears throat> with being after a freelance videographer. The NA, after cutting them in the hockey league. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. A nat- that's a natural transition, I think. Right. Exactly. So... Um, I was filming and uh, filming for outdoor hunting and fishing shows, and that's where I met Kelly. So fast forward seven years later, here we are, and what has evolved from a freelance videographer, videography company, Warwick Media Group, warwickmediagroup.com, we still do videography and, and photo and uh, all those you know, kind of cinema media stuff. Uh, that's evolved into a social media uh, company, a branding marketing company, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, those social media sites that have just, you know, in the last five to eight years have just gone through the roof, and that's how companies are marketing themselves, reaching the masses, and promoting themselves. So that's evolved from, you know, this freelance videography company to a social media marketing company, which we still promote outdoor hunting and fishing brands. You can see those brands on warwickmediagroup.com and our social media uh sites you know i'm on facebook taylor warwick and then that's evolved and we just changed our name so kind of warwick media group has evolved into heartland hunts so i'm here in the heartland right i'm in the midwest in my opinion the hunting capital of the world uh kansas and missouri um so kansas city born and raised um been hunting since i was you know three years old in my bio my dad was a big waterfowler still is and we'd go hunt ducks and geese uh, all my adolescence uh, in between soccer games and, and athletic events, which is hard to do in itself. But, um, yeah, so warwickmediagroup.com, you know, Heartland Hunts is our tag on Instagram, and that's where we are taking folks hunting and on hunting and fishing trips here in Kansas and Missouri. Um, spring turkey hunting season just ended. We had folks from Arkansas travel up here. We had uh, adults, dads take their kids, their sons, 
12-year-olds, 15-year-olds. I love promoting the outdoor uh, hunting and fish, fishing heritage to the younger generation. I think it's really important. Um, and we had a great turkey season this spring here in Kansas and Missouri. The, the great part about where I live is I'm on both sides of the state line. So I got Missouri I can, we can go to. We got Kansas we can go to. So it's kind of nice being in Kansas City, uh, being on, uh, having the ability to hunt both sides of the states. So, uh, you know, spring turkey season just ended, and we're also doing waterfowl guiding here in three months. Come September 1st, Kelly, it's on. It's doves, it's teal, the early teal season. It's bow hunting deer, uh, white-tailed deer, big white-tailed Kansas bucks and Missouri bucks. That goes, you know, till winter, and then we do that, and we do it again. So that's kind of where warwickmediagroup.com uh, is, and Heartland Hunts is growing well, that's that's really interesting, and thanks for sharing that. You know, one, I can tell that you're into social media. I didn't have to prompt you three different times to give your website <laughs> and, and how people can get in touch with you. Unfortunately, some of the people, and I am not 33 years old, and so social media doesn't come naturally to me, right. but... Those who um, listened to our show last week know that, that I have a, a social media director, Cooper Balestrino. She's here with us today, so and she's, in, she's always in the studio when we broadcast. She helps us promote the radio show as well as just about everything that we do with Instagram and everything else. So mm-hmm. I really uh, understand the need for companies who do that. We, we were just fortunate. Uh, Cooper just had recently graduated from Arizona State with a degree in digital marketing. So she yeah. fit exactly what we were looking for. But not everybody can have somebody on staff that can do it. So having a company that does that for you is, I think it's invaluable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on the uh, last year of being a millennial. I think 84 is the last year of being a millennial, millennial, and that's my birth year. But I'm learning a lot, certainly, about social media and where the world's going. But there's no doubt about it. It is, it is becoming an important tool to brands and companies. Um, so it's just the way of the world. And you know, 10 years ago, I remember when it was all coming out, people were very, companies were very hesitant to have a Facebook presence, have a LinkedIn presence. And it's amazing. That is completely out the window. <laughs> 10 years later, everybody does. So. Well, my experience with Facebook was on that fateful day in, in uh, April 19th, 2012, I posted a post on Facebook about what had transpired in the meeting earlier in the day. And by yeah. the next day, it had traveled around the world because yeah. I received comments and emails from that post for as long as a year later, you know, wanting to say, hey, we support you and, you know, that's, that's crappy what they did to you. So it was the only way that that information could have traveled as fast as it did and as broadly as it did. It's how we are communicating. It's all about communication. We're writing on walls as cavemen. Now we're writing posts like what happened with you in Bank of America on Facebook and it's reaching the masses. It's unbelievable. You know, Taylor, uh, Zev here again. I, I went on Instagram while you were talking onto your account, and I must say, number one, that your photos are very well done, very colorful. They really tell the story. Um, the, the, the first one that caught my eye was the one after you announcing the radio show today. So the one prior to that is a gal in a hat that says, Catching Deer. Is that the other Taylor? That's the other Taylor. 
<laughs> well, you're doing a good job keeping people involved, and you got some great turkey pictures there as well. So I know that I'm, I'm, I just added you as a follow, so we'll, we'll be watching what you do. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. You know, hunting season's over for me, kind of. Uh, the next three months, there's not a lot of hunting and there, there's fishing going on. So we're, we're catching crappie, we're catching bass. There's, and, there's pond and lake fishing going on, but the slowest time of the year is Kelly, like the desk dude, well, being a hunter, is, you know, June, July, and August. So I, I, I try to fill my content on my pages with stuff that's, you know, hunting and fishing related, but a little bit different, not just, you know, a hero shot of, a, of an animal. Um, so, you know, she's a good model, and that Catching Deer Company is an amazing company. Uh, it's a guy's my age out of Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm help, helping him promote his brand, Catching Deers, um, and uh, he's helping my, my 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 brand grow and, and might come home with us here in the fall. So, you know, it's, it's kind of working with each other, trying to promote each other's brands and, and go from there. You know, uh, Taylor, I want to talk a little bit about something that you said. You said that you think that you live in the best hunting area in the world so can i i I, i'm living by it i'm I'm standing by it (laughs) okay so can i come hunt elk with you (laughs) nope Uh, Nope. uh, can can i come hunt mule deer with you uh in western kansas you can okay okay so so we can go way out of the your comfort zone to get a mule deer uh how about javelina no sir gotta go to you for that Okay, how about antelope? Uh, way in western Kansas. Okay, so, uh, see, I really think Arizona is about as good as you can get when you come for big game hunting, seriously. Now, the biggest problem with Arizona is we have no landowner tags, and when you come to Arizona, you have to put in with everybody else in this state and all of the out-of-staters that want to hunt here, and you have to hope that you get drawn, and that that's a big drawback to us getting more non-residents hunting here, but they do a pretty good job of dedicating a certain number of non-resident tags that they give out every year but i know that in in texas you have landowners tags and you have a draw in in kansas i mean in kansas you have a draw uh i know a guy who has a lifetime hunting license there which gives him the right to hunt every year right yeah it's a draw state for big game uh for whitetail particularly in kansas but in missouri it's over-the-counter tag Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I understand so in Missouri most most of the hey I understand in Missouri though most of most of the deer in the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are some, there are some swamp donkey in the deers, but in northern Missouri, in the northern state of in the whole northern side of Missouri, I mean there's there's giant whitetails. I mean you see Drury you see Drury outdoors on on the TV. Those guys are out of there, and then southern Iowa. So. There's no doubt about it. There's big deer here, and and the reason why I say it's the hunting capital of the world and and, and the country, it's 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 the variety of bird hunting to whitetail deer hunting to spring turkey hunting. We don't have the big game that you guys ha- have out west, obviously, with the bear and the elk and and those other you know big game animals that you you have to go out west for. But if you're not looking for that, if you're looking for whitetail deer and birds, we have most of that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. I was just that's giving you a hard time for that. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and I know uh, Craig Boddington, a friend of mine. He's got a ranch in Kansas, and yeah. but I think they do have landowner tags, don't they? Can't you go? Uh, I could go hunt on on his ranch with him without having to put in for the draw. I believe or, you're right. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure that we right. didn't miss there are landowner the, tags. Yeah, we didn't want to mislead any of the listeners that said, oh, I want to go to Kansas, but I don't want to have to put in for the draw. So uh, landowner tags is a great thing. I go to New Mexico to hunt antelope, and I've, I've hunted elk there, all landowner tags. Uh, I think that's a great thing. The problem with Arizona is that 90% of the land that we hunt on is state-owned land. So, it, you know, landowner's tags don't do any good. Uh, there's only – and you can hunt on private property as long as you get permission from the – uh, owners of the property, but they're, if they're within a certain unit that you've drawn for, you have to get permission to, to go on the ranch, and then, then you can hunt there. Cool. When we met, I, I was hunting with Bob Beck, and he had uh, his producer out there with him at the time, and uh, you and I, so there were four of us, and we wanted to hunt in a certain area, and a tree had been felled across the road. It wasn't a huge tree, but it was big enough that we couldn't lift it up and move it out of the way. And uh, so we were going to chop through it with uh, what really amounted to a Boy Scout hatchet. I mean, literally, a, a small you know, hatchet that you would have on a sheath on your belt. So, And this, this tree was probably 10, 12 inches in diameter. So we all took turns hacking at it as vigorously as we could uh and that was bob and and uh i and and his uh producer and then we realized that uh taylor was just standing back kind of watching and uh filming. Had i was filming i'm telling you i was filming that was my job I knew that was coming. He did have his camera on his shoulder, and so we said, "Hey, look, we're tired. You got to get in here." So he he walks over, definitely not into it. And where we were chopping as vigorously as, as we could, he was pecking at it like <laughs> with his using his wrist, uh, which immediately got the nickname short stroke <laughs> so, <laughs> so taylor Warwick has been short stroke to me uh, since that time interesting That's interesting funny. experience we finally did chop through it you know pushed it out of the way with the truck and finally got to the other side of the the area where we were hunting so uh interesting story funny guy um enjoying uh, having you on the show let's talk some more about your hunting um I know your your company's kind of in its infancy, and you want to be able to tell our listeners exactly what it is that that you do and how they get a hold of you and what the prospects. If if somebody wanted to to go on a spring turkey hunt, uh, could they book with you now for next year? Yes, absolutely. We are we are booking now for 2018 spring turkey hunts um, in Kansas and Missouri. Um, I love the Kansas season because it's longer, and you can hunt all day. Um, it's around the April 1st to May 31st time frame, so it's a two whole months. We have a lodge. We have a cabin. People stay at. It's in the country. It is beautiful um, and plenty of turkey to go around, um, and they can call me directly at my phone number, and we can get you on the books for next year, next spring. 
a year from now. Um, and, you know, we've got guys coming up from Mississippi um, planning to come home with us and probably the guys from Arkansas to come back again. So a lot of these guys that come for spring turkey hunting in particular are from the south, guys and gals, kids from the south for the most part. Their season ends early, their season doesn't go very long, and they have the opportunity to come up here and kill an eastern species turkey, a Rio species turkey, or a hybrid uh, of both the Rio and the Eastern. So they can come to Kansas and Missouri and kill an Eastern if they can't, um, if they're looking to complete their Grand Slam uh, with their species and whatnot, you know, we can we can help them uh, fulfill that goal and, 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 and really kind of have a trip of a lifetime to bring their kids or their families or their friends. So we can book for that next year. That's what we'd, we'd prefer to do that right now than two, two weeks prior. Uh, but you have that option to book now. Now, what we're trying to do right now most recently is trying to fill up this fall, the September to the December time frame with waterfowlers and deer hunters. That's great. I, one thing I know about turkey hunting here in Arizona, we have a spring and a, and a fall hunt. Now, the spring hunt is the more desirable hunt because you can actually call them and, uh, bec- because they're mating and they'll come to you. Is, is your spring hunt the same way? You basically you know, sit in a blind and call? Uh, yes, a lot of the interaction is why I go out and why I take people out in the spring. Um, their breeding season is in the spring in April and May here. And the experience of calling in a big old 25-pound longbeard turkey is uh, unlike anything I think that you can do uh, when they're gobbling and they're, they're interactive at you know five yards uh, down your gun barrel or your bow. Uh, so it, it's very intense. It's very fun. The weather is starting to get nicer. You know, winter is now turning to spring. It's starting to green up. And the interaction between the animal, the game, and the human is why I hunt, Kelly. Um, I like to call it ducks and geese. I like to call it turkeys. I like to rattle and call it deer. So the interaction, the chess match, the game is what I love about the outdoor hunting uh, world. So, uh, yeah, to answer your question, Spring turkey hunting is where it's at. I mean, I honestly don't even hunt turkey in the fall. We're hunting ducks and geese, big old mallards, big, you know, can of geese, honkers, and we're doing that in the fall and the winter and, and giant white-tailed deer. So, uh, yeah, in the spring is when we do our turkey hunts. I imagine if someone wanted to come on a fall turkey hunt, they could do that. We could show them how to do that and point them in the right direction. Um, but, yeah, it, it's that April-May spring turkey deal, typically. Is that a- is that an over-the-counter tag, or do they have to draw? And if that's the case, do you take care of that that for them? Um, that is not a draw for okay. turkeys. For spring turkeys, that is an over-the-counter tag. So um, when a guy calls you on the phone and says, I want to sign up for next year, you'll tell him, okay, you need to go to this website so that you can get your Missouri license, and then you need to buy your your bird tag or whatever it takes to get the turkey and uh, you'll walk them through it so they don't have to guess about what they need when they get there to uh, actually hunt and you'll make sure that they all have that all up front that's good yeah correct and most likely would be hunting kansas so kdwp the kansas wildlife department uh kansas wildlife department and tourism kdwp.com it's a wonderful site to look into license fees, what you need, and out-of-state or stuff. But, I mean, I can certainly help them. But, yes, it's, it's, it's the turkey thing in the spring is is, uh, is over-the-counter and uh, pretty affordable, and it's a fun time. Um, 
Well, Taylor, we're just about out of time. I want to give you just a 30 seconds more to, to go through the contact information one more time so our listeners sure. will be able to contact you. Yeah, call me, Taylor Warwick, here in Kansas City at 913-205-7718. 913-205-7718. Uh, look us up on Instagram, Heartland Hunts, or you can find me on Facebook, Taylor Warwick, last name W-A-R-W-I-C-K like the singer Dion Warwick. So those are my contacts uh, for getting a hold of me. We're booking now for 2017 fall uh, goose, duck, white-tailed deer seasons, and then obviously spring turkeys uh, there in 2018 next spring. So that's what we do. If you want to come get away, um, give, me a, give me a call. We have a place for people to stay. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Well, thanks, Taylor. I really appreciate you being with me. That's all the time we have for this segment. I want to ask all our listeners to stick with us for the next couple of minutes through this commercial break, and we'll be right back with another guest. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. For over 40 years, Macmillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gun stock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, Macmillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show. Thanks for sticking with us, everybody. Glad you're here with us today. Uh, great guest on earlier, Taylor Warwick. Um, Check out his contact information, and uh, if you're interested in hunting anywhere in, in Missouri and Kansas, uh, he'd be a great guy. Uh, great energy. I think he'd be a lot of fun, so definitely want to recommend that. Uh, and I want to let all of our listeners know that now is the time to send your email to radioshow at mcmillanusa.com. As I said, the first three emails I receive will get the swag, and, and we'll announce that uh, towards the end of the show. So my next guest is basically one of the premier um, guys in this new and upcoming extreme long range stuff going on and i say that because you know one of the very first people to to put out a website that was basically devoted to nothing but long range shooting and uh, it includes hunting it includes shooting um his name is jeff brazovich he's um owns um 
longrangeonly.com. And uh, we're just going to talk about anything that has to do with long-range shooting today. Jeff, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Kelly. It's my pleasure. Well, as we do with most of our guests, why don't we just take a, a little time and you give us some history, where you grew up, how you got in, involved in hunting and shooting, and how you migrated towards the, the long-range stuff, uh, and where you're located. I think that'll tell people a lot about, about what you do. Okay, I'd be glad to. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm a born and raised uh, farm boy from Iowa southern iowa to be exact and uh you know uh i've always been a rifle nut i've always messed with my rifles and liked them uh, uh, we were only allowed to hunt our whitetail in iowa at the time uh with shotguns um so i would venture down into missouri where i could use my rifles and uh i've been doing that for years and then as time went on we started getting some uh opportunity to take some does in southern iowa and that involved a lot of bean field shooting, so obviously the distance increased, and uh, I just kept uh, working with that. And uh, the technology in the last 10 years, has just uh, it just went crazy. Uh, the things we can do today with the equipment we got and the methods we have is pretty impressive, as you well know. So where are you located now? Well, right now I'm in uh, Townsend, Montana. I moved out here about 10 years ago. It was... Uh, my wife and I got married right out of high school. It was a dream of hers and mine to move west to the mountainous areas, and uh, it fits right in with my rifle and stuff. Uh, so I'm in Townsend, Montana. I manage a, a fairly large ranch there, um, lots of ability to shoot. In fact, Kelly, I can, I can load a few rounds and step out of my garage and go prone and shoot to about 3,000 yards. You know, that's definitely an advantage for over most of the people who, uh, even though they're firearms enthusiasts and love to shoot, uh, they have to, to find a place that they can shoot more than a couple of hundred yards. Here in Arizona, we've got a few places, but you would think that we'd have a lot more. We do have public land that we can shoot on, but access to what's out there at 3,000 yards is difficult to get to at best in any any place you could have that kind of range. So uh, definitely an advantage to you to be able to just walk out your door and shoot. It is, and i, I got to tell you, the location where I am didn't happen by accident. Uh, this was all part of what we was looking for. Every piece of ground I looked for, uh, it was the first thing before I built the house. I was looking where, how far am I going to be able to shoot um, and, uh, you know, and practice. And, uh, you know, that's what I wanted to do, and it, I've got it. i got it all put together, and it's awesome. Uh, good. Let's talk about longrangeonly.com. Uh, what's the, the website dedicated to, I mean, other than what's obvious? You know, it's, uh, it was just I felt there was a need about four years ago when I decided to uh, venture into this, and, and I just felt there was a need for a website that was dedicated specifically to long range. And, and then that could be anything. Uh, we're getting ready to introduce a, an archery forum, um, that, you know, for some guys that, uh, you know, are stretching the distance about archery. Sometimes uh, things are frowned on on other pages and you get a lot of controversy. So we wanted to be the the place where as long as the guy's doing it right, you know, and that's our motto, we do long range right, as long as you're, you're keeping it ethical, you're doing it right and, and hunting within your means or stretching the targets as far as you possibly want to, you know, that's what long range only is. It's a place to come talk to. We don't care if you're shooting a muzzleloader or a 22 or one of the big 375s or 408s. You know, come, uh, that's, where we're, that's what we're all about is uh, 
is precision and long range. I can relate to your statement about some people frown or talk bad about, you know, shooting long distance or hunting long distance. Um, I think that as uh, firearms enthusiasts and hunters, we all need to get together. We need to be of one voice. And it doesn't matter what style of hunting that you choose, as long as you're doing it ethically and, and you have the practice and the and the dedication to do it well i think it's important and you know there's a lot of guys that go out there who can't shoot well enough to be confident in a hundred yard shot so it really doesn't mean that just because the distances are out there a little bit farther that you're any less likely to be um you know to wound an animal and not find them it all has to do a lot with what you're capable of and you know the particular hunter and how much time and effort he's put in to prepare so I'm with you on that. Let's let's not worry about uh, bashing anybody for what they do. Let's uh, let's let's get together and and be of one voice. Um, yeah, that's huge, and I've I've been saying the same exact thing, Kelly. You know, you're you're talking to a guy here. That, like I just said, I grew up in Iowa. My my first deer gun was a single shot twenty gauge with a slug in it, and that that's what I hunted with. And you know, I can get close. I had to get close. That thing was, was about two feet left at 50 yards is where it shot, you know, from the bead on the end of the barrel. So it was the same gun I hunted quail and pheasant with. But, you know, so it isn't about, it, it's just about the, uh, you know, hunt the way you want to. Whether, whether you want to use that slug gun or a muzzleloader or whether you want to use your archery equipment or we even had a handgun uh, uh, season, you know, uh, hunt with whatever you want, but know your limitations and do it right. And, Another motto we have, and it, it's, it, it applies to every type of hunting, and it's knowing when not to shoot. And it, it's very alive and well, and it's strong in the long-range hunting, is just know when not to shoot. You know, that's, as long as you got that down, you're golden. Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to know what you're capable of, know what your comfort zone is, stay within that. If, if the animal that you're shooting at is outside that, then don't take the shot. And it doesn't matter whether that's 100 yards, 200 yards, or 1,000. Um, so I agree with you. We were talking earlier about um, why you felt like it was important to have a website that people could be comfortable on when they're talking about the things that, that intrigue them. What why did you get into long-range shooting? It was just the love for rifles, you know, I, I mean, uh, and just stretching the limitations out. And like I said, when we started doing some of these deer harvests to control populations, uh, you know, in Iowa, you can get on the edge of a bean field, and trust me, the deer will always come in the opposite end you're at. And, you know, that may be four or 500 yards, and we needed to be able to reach across there to do the job and uh that's what got me interested uh it was probably the hunting aspect of it but the other thing about the uh, most long-range guys whether it be archery or rifle or whatever uh they practice a lot you have to you can't get away with it if you don't so you know you practice all year and i would go down there and i would put targets out and i would shoot across them same bean fields all summer long in preparation for what we're going to do this fall you had mentioned earlier and i wanted to comment about it slug guns even in the field of slug guns the amount of technology improvement over that time that you were talking about is incredible my brother made bolt action um 
actions for a slug gun company back in Pennsylvania. We made the stocks for them, and those slug guns, you know, they could shoot a two-inch group at 200 yards, mm-hmm. which is something that you couldn't do with your standard shotgun and, and a, a standard load. But, um, you know, even that, they've pushed the envelope to be as successful as they possibly can, even when you, you're really handicapped by what you're allowed to do. Absolutely, and you know when I when I talked about my old single barrel twenty gauge, you know it it uh, we're talking the area. I'm, I'm not sixty yet, Kelly, but I'm creeping up on it. So I mean, I'm going back a long time here to where there was one shotgun in the house and there was one rifle in the house, and we all used them, and and that's that's what we uh, that's what we got our wild game with, you know. And uh, so that same old that same old slug gun that I was referring to there, uh, that, that's that was the deal on that, and it was a long time ago. But absolutely, I've. Uh, I've read a little bit and kept track a little bit of what the uh, advancements has been in the, in the slug guns with the sabotage slugs and all the things that they're doing, and, and also muzzleloaders, too. And my goodness, uh, we're very fortunate today with the technology we have at our fingertips. Long range, even the definition of long range has really changed. Uh, most of the guides or outfitters that hunt in the West, they'll ask you, you know, what, what are you? range are you comfortable at? How far is the the farthest you'd want to shoot? And the majority of the people, and these are the outfitters I've talked to, say 250 yards is the maximum that they're comfortable to shoot. Uh, and I think that was kind of a, a patterned response. One, because most of the ranges around don't have anything farther than 200 yards that you could actually practice at. So you you give yourself an extra 50 yards and figure, okay, I, I can handle that. Um, but it was, you know, for a long time, people weren't really uh, didn't have the optics, didn't have the ballistics capabilities, and you know the ability to to verify ballistics the way they do today to know exactly what the bullet would do at at ranges farther than that. You know, 250 yards is pretty much point blank for just about any um, big game round from seven millimeter, you know, through the 338. So, you know, if you hunt, if you point right at them and you're sighted in at 100 yards, even at 250 yards, you're still going to hit it, hit the kill zone. So uh, I think that's how that figure came out. I'd say that's most likely right. Uh, we are we are blessed today with a, a lot of of options. Too, uh, I was on a a bear hunt last week, and jeez, uh, just talk about how how much easier the technology has made it. You know, I was in Idaho, and we were having trouble finding bears, but uh, we were able to locate one of the guys in our group located a pack of wolves, and they were staying there, and so we had to give that a go. And uh, so when I set up. Before we called, I uh, I just took my one of the new uh, applied ballistics Sig Kilo 2400 rangefinders, and I just ranged everything. I was above on a vantage point looking at a valley. I just ranged everything that where I thought that wolf might appear, and I come up with an average uh, of what I need to do. And I just reached up to my scope and dialed it up for uh, uh, about a minute and three quarter, which gave me a, a 225 yard zero, and just. By looking through that rangefinder and figuring it out, I knew that okay, from 350 yards to 50 yards, all I got to do is point and shoot, and that was a huge thing because you know what? That's exactly what happened. The wolf came out at 175 yards. I jumped on it, and it was a done deal. Hey, Braz, why don't you tell us a little bit about your most recent hunt? I know you just came back from one. I'd like to hear about it. It's uh, 
it's becoming a, an annual thing. It uh, the first time I attended was last year. It's put on by Ryan Avery of Rock Slide, and he also owns Avery Adventures. Very interesting guy. Very good hunter. Um, and the guys from Mountain Ops come, and uh, we all just kind of meet there. And I came to represent Long Range only, and it's kind of turned into a little bit of a, a media hunt. But um, our editors, our, our members, or whoever, and we ended up with ten guys there this year. But last year uh, was my first year there, and uh, you know, you always talk about when the stars align, you might take that long shot. But I, you know. Uh, I never look at a shot. I always try to get as close as I can. You know, we all do, I think. And we were out there, and lo and behold, we'd all met back up after walking and and come together on this point, and we're going to glass this hillside for the day. So there's about a half a dozen of us there last year, and we're we're glassing this hillside. And here comes a, a big old bear out, you know, and I jump right on my rangefinder, and whew, he's just just under two thousand yards, and I said. They said, well, can you take him? And I said, you know, the, the, the percentage of that shot isn't very good. We need to scrape off a little bit. A little bit will mean a lot, you know. And so we took off up a, a logging road, raining on us. <laughs> and I'm here I am in the back of the pack trying to keep up with a bunch of 30-year-olds with a 50-pound backpack on. But anyway, we get up there, and we set up, and we'd only scrubbed off a few hundred yards, but we had this bear coming out at 1702, 1,702 yards. There was, the rain had stopped, it cleared, there's a little wisp of fog in the air right up where the arc of bullet might be, and I, I, I'm, the wind was very light. I dialed it all, got on it, and I, I proceeded to hard shoot this bear with a cold bore shot from 1,702 yards. And, you know, it was an awesome thing. It took us most of the next day to recover it. We had it come from the other side of the mountain over the top, but uh, it was at the snow line, so the meat was preserved, everything was good, and... Uh, Quite an adventure, so couldn't wait to get back there this year. This year, the snow was snow melt was it was deeper and it wasn't melted off as good, so we were limited to where we could get to. So we were having to walk and work a lot harder, and we weren't able to get to a lot of vantage points. So in the whole week, we only saw three bears, but we were managed to locate this pack of wolves. And Idaho has a serious wolf uh, uh, deal right now. Uh, if I understand this correctly, they're almost twelve hundred percent over projected population and. Uh, we did what we could, to, and in three days we we were able to take two wolves, and uh, you know it, it turned into quite the hunt. We had to work for it. Some of the guys were walking 15 to 18 miles a day. Uh, they're the guys that kept track of that pack for us. Uh, I take my hat off to them, and and Justin Crosley from Rock Slide, he's an editor there. He uh, he knows how to call, and uh, he said his big game call up there is electronic call. And once we I mouth how and we located the wolves a little bit, you know, and kind of figured it out. We got a plan, and, and we were able to call them in. Well, I, I got to tell you, I've been around some people who do some long-range hunting. I think 1702 is the longest kill I've ever heard of. So congratulations on that because I know what it takes to shoot something. At, I shot my elk at 785 yards, so it's uh, it, that's just such an incredible thing to be able to accomplish and to do it with one shot a heart shot um and and to do it in a humane way that's that's just so cool it it is and you know i don't want to represent any kind of stunt it if we could have gotten closer i'd have much rather had a thousand yard shot you know what i mean um percentages goes down nobody can argue that you know there's always a chance of a problem when you put distance in but just understand the conditions were stellar they may never line up like that again um typically we take uh 
you know, I, I kill a lot of elk, or we kill a lot of elk on that ranch I manage, and uh, the typical shot there is four to 700 yards probably with, you know, a few every year going into 800 to 1,000. But, you know, for most shots, we get as close as we can. I mean, there's no reason not to. Uh, and that is a, a fairly large shot, or long shot on big game. But uh, Ryan Avery from uh, Avery Adventures, uh, he was there with me, and I said, well, he was a good coach on a spotter with me. And Ryan has taken a bull moose um, with a clean kill at 1780, and he's also taken an elk at over 1500. So I was in good company. Uh, my confidence level was excellent. Um, I practiced. There's a mile rock I shoot from my house, and uh, I had just been shooting that shot all week long the week before. So I knew my equipment was there. I, I knew I could do it, and the conditions lined up, and, and I did what I had to do. Hey, Braz, I had the pleasure of meeting you at the SHOT Show for the first time. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you do, you do some videos as well, don't you? I do. I do a lot of... Uh, we do a lot of gear reviews on long range only. You know, anything that uh, for precision shooting, hunting, optics, uh, we do a lot of gear review. And so I do a lot of video reviews, um, and I do some how-to videos on precision hand loading, uh, whatever there's a need for. If somebody uh, questions, I get the same question, you know, four or five times. I think, you know what, we need a little video on this. So, yeah, I do a lot of that kind of stuff. I think one of the first videos that I saw, and I actually have a, a little savings account for the Ivy Zero to Fifty base. I think you did that one. Am I correct? I, I did the Ivy, uh, the new MOA version of the Stephen Ivy base, and uh, it'll actually dial up a hundred and I think they claim one hundred and seventy-five. I got a hundred and eighty MOA out of mine. Have you actually used that out in the field at all, or? I'm I'm just getting ready to mount it up. I have uh, a 375 that's almost done, and uh, it's going on that 375 with the big uh, 7 to 35 Night Force uh, F1. And are we going to see you out at the King of Two Mile? I'm entered. My problem is <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm getting a little reluctant because I haven't got that rifle in my hands yet, and. Uh, some of you may know from my history, I was a professional drag racer for years, and I never went to a race to date that I didn't plan on winning when I went. And if I don't feel like I'm a top contender, I'm not going to let them guys beat up on me. So i got to wait and see how this all pans out when I get this rifle in. I can relate to you on that, Jeff, because I'm entered as a competitor as well. Uh, but I have to admit, I haven't practiced enough, and the fact that my rifle isn't going to be done in time is just a saving grace for me, so, so I don't have to go out there and, and prove how poorly I've prepared for this. So maybe next year I'll actually compete, but this year, you know, the gun's not ready. I, I think you've heard about it. We're, we're rebuilding my, my father's old Fat Mac, which is a, a 50 caliber neck, uh, I mean a 20 millimeter case neck to 50 cal, and that's what I'm wow. going to use. Uh, be shooting either... Uh, I think it's an 820 version of the cutting edge bullet, uh, or if we get the ballistics um, on the hundred a thousand grain, might be shooting a thousand grain. So, if everything comes together, that gun should be able to give the ballistics that it needs to be, you know, competent at two miles. Um, just don't know that I'd ever be competent to shoot that that range. I know Paul Phillips said, "Oh, I'll call the win for you. It's easy. Just put the crosshairs and pull the trigger." But I'm not. I'm not really sure that that's all, all together correct. Paul, Brian, and Mitch and that bunch that won it last year, they, they make it look easy, but uh, we all know in reality that uh, you only got to be a hair off here to be a, <laughs> three feet off there, so <laughs> you got to do your part on the trigger end, that's for sure. 
you know, your your website is basically a forum, like you said, for people to get together and talk about uh, you know long range shooting and and such. But you have a store on it too, so I, I know you sell a lot of products. Uh, talk a little bit about why somebody would come to your store to to purchase from you. Well, the store. Um I have to give the credit there to my son Daniel. Uh, he, for his involvement in the site, he wanted to he wanted to run a store. And Daniel's uh, somewhat of a marketer. Um, he's been in retail and sales for quite a while now. And and uh, Daniel said, "Let's uh, we we get asked all the time. Let's let's carry what we use. Let's carry the, our favorite things. And and basically that's what we're doing. You know, we're going to reach outside that just a little bit, probably with some optics and stuff. But basically." Everything in our store is stuff that we've tested, used, reviewed, and we believe in, and uh, it's what we recommend. And so it's not going to be a huge, big retail store full of everything, but it is going to have the best of the best and and what you'll see us packing around when we go hunting or shooting. I think that's important, and that's why I wanted to, wanted you to speak to that. There are a lot of people who own stores that will sell whatever they think they can sell, and whatever they make the most money on is the is the coolest gadget on the store. But I knew for a fact I've looked at what you have to sell. You believe in what what you have there. You think it's what people need to be successful at shooting long range, and that's why they should come to you because you've tried and tested all of it. Everything in that store we've had out in the field, and uh, most of the stuff in that store is, is stuff you're going to see in my safe, um, and you know the stuff I'm actually using. Do you, do you have anywhere on the store where you've actually done uh, critiques of the of the the stuff that you sell? We do. Uh, uh, Daniel started doing that too. Whenever we put an item up there, he started linking. There's a you, so you can go right below the item you're thinking about purchasing and click on our review of it, and actually in most cases see video of it um, operating in the field. That's so important in today's market because people want to see it. They want to hear somebody that's actually used it and participated with it. So it's really important. And it's funny you mentioned your son. Uh, I got to tell you, coincidence or not, uh, the first respondent to our little um, swag giveaway was a guy named Daniel Brozovich. Jeez, what a coincidence. Great, great pronunciation there, yeah. Well, Same name. <laughs> he's, uh, Daniel is uh, he's an enthusiast just like me. I don't, know, I don't know where he got it from, Kelly, but uh, when I was messing with the cars and the high-performance stuff, uh, you know, Daniel, we went through that phase, and now he's, he's following my cue with the rifles, too, and uh, He's getting ready to put something together here uh, right now. He's doing something in a short action, 6.5. Uh, I know he's been ordering parts, and I'm sure you're going to be hearing from him about a stock because we were talking about it the other day. Well, good deal. Hey, Jeff, we're out of time. I, I'm really glad that you came on the show. Let Daniel know that we'll get his swag out to him right away. Uh, I just want to thank you for all you do for long-range shooting and, and to help people get involved in the sport. And right back at you, Kelly. What uh, what McMillan's done for uh, the industry is huge. I've been using those stocks for a long time. I'm I am a user of the of your product, and and uh, all my uh, you know my favorite rifle is wearing one of your stocks. I can tell you that right now. And I'm going to tell you that that rifle is 34 and 0 for one shot kills, and uh, it'll never leave my safe. But uh, yeah, thank you for what you do. Anybody that needs any help or anything, if you want to come over to LongRangeOnly.com. Uh, we have a presence there on uh, Instagram and Facebook also, and we have our YouTube channel. So uh, we welcome everybody to uh, come along with us on the ride.
Well, thanks again, Jeff. Appreciate you being on. Uh-huh. Thank you. Bye. And once again, we come to the end of a great show. Really enjoyed Jeff and Taylor both. I want to um, remind you that we'll be here next Friday at 11 o'clock on Voice America Sports Channel. So make sure you set your uh, timer for that. Appreciate you all being here. Go out and enjoy this great country. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Be sure to come back for more next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk again next week.